0: Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff I Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. Okay, so you know I, in particular, love, 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 love talking about games and video games. Actually, I'm about to guest on a, a podcast on the network called Ephemeral by our friend Alex Williams, if you haven't checked it out. It's awesome about video games. Um, and and we recently had Bridget on to talk about the whole thing that is ongoing. Yeah. Uh, with Activision Blizzard. Oh my god. They're kind of unionized. They are. And then yeah. Microsoft stepped in. They bought them. Yeah. Uh, oh, a whole thing. So many things. Yeah. But in that episode, I said that recently. There there had been a study that showed that women play more video games than men, including console games. And I wanted to clarify this point because afterwards, um, through another project Samantha and I are working on, I had to dig into that a bit more. And unfortunately, that number was from 2018. Oh. Yes. And the numbers have gone back down. But there's a lot of complications in this. Um, One being... A lot of them are very regional, so it'll be like in the US or in the uk or or what have you. Another complication is a lot of the researchers, when they would ask follow-up questions to women, women who said they weren't gamers, it turned out that they were compared to like the same amount men would say they were gamers with the same amount of experience that women would say they aren't. So who gets to have that claim that? As the, a title or a label or an identity, do you want to? That's also another question. So there's that complication. But then also, I think we talked about this in in several of our video game episodes. Unfortunately, we're going in the wrong direction. Like when it comes to people playing representation characters in video games, I think since 2019, the numbers have gotten worse. The disparity hmm. has gotten worse. And when we're seeing just these atrocious things happening at these video game companies um, and knowing we still have so much work to do, that is very disheartening because that article that was circulating that said women were playing more console games than men, that was recent, but it was very specific. It was like older women were playing more than younger boys. And they they were. It was like a, a pretty big amount. But overall, like, the trend is not going the way that I would say we want it to go. <laughs> and so this, I just wanted to clarify that point because there are a lot of caveats to it, as with a lot of stuff we talk about. But also I wanted to bring back this classic episode that me and Bridget did on online gaming and harassment and the Me Too movement. And I think there's there are some things in there that are, dated, but a lot of it, unfortunately, isn't. It's still very relevant. So, with that in mind, please enjoy. Hi, this is Annie. And this is Bridget. And you're listening to Stuff Mom Never Told You. Today we are talking about another important aspect of my nerd life, which is gaming, and specifically female gaming, and specifically online gaming, and what it's like for women. What are your favorite games, Annie? Oh, I am a big RPG, role-playing game uh, person, so I really love Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts, Bioshock which I guess is I'm also a first-person shooter, which makes me kind of an outlier because women aren't traditionally big into those. But I really love Bioshock, Resident Evil, and The Last of Us is like my favorite. And Kristen and Caroline did a two-part episode on kind of the whole state of affairs of the video game industry a while back, and we're going to be uh, rerunning those soon. So keep keep an ear out for that. I wanted to include listener Emma. She suggested this to us. She emailed us. A message, and I want to read a bit of it at the top here. I wrote this email because the Action fixture episode that y'all did, as well as several of your discussions about violence towards women, got me thinking about how I have slowly distanced myself from the video game community over time because of the harassment that I have faced as a female gamer, as well as the industry's lack of caring when it comes to harassment and violence towards women, as well as the continuous glorification of multiple forms of violence against women. Just check out the game Agony and the Rape Scene That Was Removed. Many male gamers seem to think that because they also face harassment, yelling slurs at each other, etc., that the harassment female gamers face is on the same level. And I want to say wholeheartedly that being privately messaged to send nude photos or hearing men try to basically have phone sex with you when you're on mic requires an unfair amount of energy on our parts to tolerate if we want to continue playing the games we love. Agreed. <laughs>
1: Something I really want to parse out from that message, first of all, Emma, thank you for writing in, but it is different. It's different when someone says, hey, face, you did a bad job at this thing in the game. That's different than I'm going to send you a private message and ask you to send me pictures of your breasts. That's very different. And so people who would argue that it's a similar kind of harassment that both men and women face in these gaming communities, that's just willful ignorance because it's so different.
0: Right. And like Emma sort of pointed out, the trash talking men get when gaming, that, that's like very, very different <laughs> than a solicitation of nudes or rape threats or death threats of you and your children. And a lot of female gamers have pointed out that, hey, we like trash talking, too, if it's based on skill. But if you're going to base it on gender, that's different. And that's not, not fun at all. I gave up online gaming After kind of my attempt at appearing gender neutral didn't work out. And that is a common strategy for women online.
1: Did you have a male or genderless avatar?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I didn't like ever add a picture. My name gave no hint one way or the other, but... I don't know, somehow it always seemed to come out. (laughs) And this is a plot point in Ready Player One, actually, for anyone who's seen or read that. Another strategy is to never use the microphone, which sucks because the microphone is meant to make things easier and kind of enhance your gaming experience. But as a woman, well, if if you're trying to avoid being known as a woman, you will not use it. So I never used it.
1: You could do what's the voice modification thing <laughs> they use in the movie Scream? scream. It's like oh, I'm playing. Vid- I'm playing. You know, Last of Us with the guy from Scream. Actually, the killer was a woman. Wait, spoiler alert for Scream if you haven't seen it. It's been out for took twenty
0: years. So, <laughs> also there's like a lot of killers. Who knows which one we're okay, talking well, about? yeah. Okay, also a good point. <laughs> <laughs> I did want to say that I. Uh, Some places, some online spaces and games do have, from what I've read, very lovely online communities. So this is a big brush we're painting with, and there are spaces that are not this way. I have heard kind of in an interesting benevolent sexism thing where some people are like, well, I like it when people find out I'm a woman because the the men go out of their way to be super nice to me in the game. And I'm like, okay. Uh, So, (laughs) yes, those things exist. And you can love... Something and critique it, as we've said before on here.
1: Yes. I, I know someone out there is going to be listening and thinking, like, why are you trashing video games? I love video games. Don't trash them. Just because you have a critique about gaming or game culture doesn't mean you're not a gamer, doesn't mean you're not a fan. It's okay to critique art, media, whatever, whatever we consume. It's okay to critique it and still like it.
0: Yeah. And I would, I would argue that you're trying to make it better. You're trying to make it more than it is... Right now,
1: Yeah, because so. if you really love gaming, you want it to be as good as it can be.
0: Yes, I want to be able to use the microphone and not worry about some guy having sex. <laughs> <another>. <laughs> I can't believe I even have to worry about that. But apparently, apparently we do. And Emma and I aren't alone in our abandoning of online games in the face of harassment. We found story after story, message board after message board of women sharing their experiences with sexual harassment when gaming online a 2016 study published by Media and Society found that quote both general and sexual harassment predict women's withdrawal from online games. Sexual harassment but not general harassment leads to rumination and subsequent withdrawal. Sexual harassment perhaps unsurprisingly seems to have an effect that haha you suck and are dumb does not. Yes, I would agree that is unsurprising.
1: Well, that's exactly what we were talking about before that it's this is not just your average, you know, trash talk which of course is going to happen in gaming, and it happens in sports, whatever. That's different than sexual harassment, rape threats, that kind of thing.
0: Exactly, and I I enjoy a good trash talk session.
1: I'm <laughs> sure you do. I do. Knowing but, you, I know that you do. Yeah, I do,
0: <laughs> but it has to be kind of like good in good spirit. Um, as competitive as I am, I like that. But not yeah, sexual harassment is completely different. And this study was a study of 293 women playing games, an average of 22 hours a week. So not the most representative study, but I do think it's worth mentioning, especially because there aren't that many studies on this out there yet. And the paper didn't address this, but several others have. Rumination is linked to negative outcomes, including depressive symptoms. So this is, it's not good.
1: It's not good. And what pisses me off the most about this, and there's so much to be pissed off about, is I know so many people for whom video games is their stress relief. It's their way to build community. If they're living someplace where they don't know a lot of people, it's their way to feel like they have, you know, a social outlet. Imagine all the women who are kind of pushed out of this space that could mean so much for them socially, personally, and they're pushed out because of jerks out there who are treating women like this because they happen to be gamers. Yeah. It's really it's not fair.
0: No, no, it's not fair at all. I did find one interesting account um, that speculated that maybe, because so many of us women are pretending to be male or have like a gender-neutral avatar, that perhaps there are a lot more women playing than we think. And I uh, there was one story that really caught my eye and kind of tickled me where um, this one woman described her experience of like dominating the Team Fortress 2 leaderboard. And everyone just assumed she was male because she was good, so it must be male, right? When she finally revealed she wasn't, several other players were like, yeah, I'm not either. (laughs) Oh, I love it. It's like
1: they all take off their masks, and it's like, oh, we're all women. What? (laughs) <laughs> this whole time. <laughs> That's like something out of a, um, oh my God, have you ever seen, this is so dumb, have you ever seen The Little Rascals, that the remake, where at the end they're doing the big race and it's and she takes off her helmet and it's, it's Darla. Like you think it's a male driver because he's wearing like a, a full, this is so stupid, but yeah. it's like that scene where yeah. she pulls off her mask and it's a girl the whole time. <laughs> yes.
0: You're right, Bridget. (laughs) It's just like the little rascals. Most Mm -hmm. things in life can be related back to the little (laughs) rascals. Another note before we dive in here. uh, In 2015, the U.N. released a 60-page report called Cyber Violence Against Women and Girls, a Worldwide Wake-Up Call. But it contained several errors and poor citations and was generally quite flawed. So uh, hopefully they will readdress that, come back to that later. A lot of people we mentioned, they did call on to speak at the event. It was the paper itself was kind of had a lot of issues. Okay, so gaming is a big business.
1: As someone who doesn't do a lot of gaming myself, these numbers I found were really kind of shocking to me. In 2016 in the U.S., consumers spent 30.4 billion on video games. Globally, that number is an annual 101 billion, and it's estimated that the growth rate until 2020 will be around 6%. That means that 40 million people worldwide play video games.
0: Yeah, and online games. Oh,
1: specifically online games.
0: Yeah. And I would guess when you think of a stereotypical gamer, I mean, what do you think of, Bridget? Definitely a dude.
1: Probably someone who sits on the couch and, you know, dudes it out with his other dude friends. Just very masculine. Right. You know, the the common narrative of a gamer doesn't look like you. Yeah. Doesn't look like Emma, I'm sure.
0: Yeah. And 60% of the public... When asked, would say something similar. It's a dude, probably a white dude, probably a younger white dude. But statistics from the Pew Research Center found that about 50% of both men and women say that gaming on a PC, console, or a handheld device is a pastime they participate in. Men are much likelier to claim the gamer label, though, as compared to women— 15% to 6%.
1: So something that we were talking about off mic that, again, kind of made me scratch my head was when you look at those numbers, people who push back on this idea that gaming is a pretty, you know, it's split pretty evenly between men and women, I was like, wow, that surprises me. And then you said, well, some people will push back on that because they say a lot of women are gaming on their cell phones. And some folks out there might say, oh, that means they're not real gamers. To me, I thought, well, they're fake gamers, they're imaginary, what does that mean? And I had no idea that there was this connotation that if you play games on your phone, you are a fake gamer and should not be included in the, quote, gamer label.
0: Yes, and I think the more I I kind of thought about this, it kind of comes up a lot where men have, like, they do the real thing, and women do kind of, like, fake knockoff thing?
1: I was just thinking about this in terms of politics and that studies show that women are a lot more likely to get involved in politics running for office because they want to make change and they don't care about the glitz, the the glory, whatever. Whereas the research shows that men are much more likely to do that same kind of thing because they want the label of activist, of politician. They want the, the thing, the like yeah. stamp on their forehead that this person is making X, Y, Z kind of change. Isn't, aren't they great? Whereas the data shows that women just want to do the thing. They don't care about the label. And I'm sure there are so many instances where if men do it, they are assumed to be the representative thing, you know, whether it's gaming, whether it's an activist, whether it's. You
0: know, well, we talked about it a little in our fan fiction episode with writing science fiction. Yeah, or they, that was the real thing.
1: Exactly. And Emily and I did an episode on journaling, where when women wrote journals, it was just assumed to be these like little diaries, not important. Who cares? It's them writing about the, their feelings and their crushes, whatever. But when men write it, it's it's their papers, and it goes it goes in a museum or something. Yes. But for women, it's just their little, you know. Yeah. Women aren't real writers. It's just their little doodles. Yeah.
0: <laughs> the doodles. <laughs> When it comes to video games, there is, like, core gaming, which is seen as, like, not phone playing games on your phone. But most people do play games on their phone, like, not just women. Most people, because we have them all the time. And if you're just, like, kind of waiting around, might as well play a game. I did want to mention... That um, a female video game developer interviewed about this whole thing said one of her coworkers assumed that only 5% of women were core gamers and the rest were casual gamers. So developers are making the games for men, the core gamers, like with that in the back of their head that women don't play video games. So why make... I make video games for them.
1: That's so wild to me because what other industry is like that? If you're someone who sees a movie in a movie theater once a month and you're a casual movie, you know, movie person, like people don't neglect you as an audience. It just It's interesting to me that they're thinking like, oh, we can only market games toward people who are very involved in this. I mean, it's interesting because this is a whole other side conversation, but it's interesting to me that the identity label that is wrapped up in the word gamer, I think there are so many other things, like pastimes, that people do not make it part of their core identity. I think gaming lends itself to people taking it on as a kind of label about who they are and their identity in the way that other kinds of pastimes maybe do not.
0: Yes, I completely agree with you. And I do have uh, an interesting quote about that uh, later in the episode. And to go back to what you were saying about, like, marketing, marketing research has been pushing the video game industry to change. It's been showing, like, you could be making a lot more money. We found so many so many market reports that concluded that if the video game industry and marketers behind it, if they did make games for women, they could majorly increase profits. So...
1: <laughs> well, that's, like, our episode on action figures where yes. there's money to be made. These people is holding on to these not true, outdated ideas about who plays video games and gender. Is holding on to those rigid gender attitudes more important than money? It seems like it is, because <laughs> they could be making money. Do they not like money? Yeah. Right, what's the deal?
0: Yeah, they're they're entrenched in their ways. And we're not going to touch on this too much in this episode, but in one of the classics that we're going to be replaying that Kristen and Caroline did, they talk about how the industry is, like, 10 to 12 percent, the designers making video games are women. So if it's that small of a percentage, I can see how that would kind of have ripple effects into what games are made. And speaking of big business, let's talk about eSports. eSports is like really growing very quickly. This is organized and competitive play, usually of an online game, that has an aspect of performance that might be rewarded. Competitive video gaming, essentially, Esports have really, really taken off. They've doubled in size in the past three years, especially in Asia, the U.S., and Europe. The NBA is getting involved in it. And in the next couple of years, it's expected to be valued at $35 billion. From what little data we have on this, about 30% of professional gamers are female. And people get paid for this. If that's not clear, like some people, millions, (laughs) a report in the BBC looked into China's female esports team and found that compared to men who can and have earned up to 2 million and are pretty much celebrities, women earn far, far less. In general, big companies don't want to back female teams because they think that the male teams, people are more likely to watch them. We hear that argument all the time. People want to watch the male teams play, but not the female teams China has 170 million eSport players and made over half a billion dollars for the country in 2016, this industry did. Which is very impressive considering that from 2010 to 2015, console games were banned and labeled by the Chinese government as Digital heroine. Wow. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think that for anyone listening who's thinking, oh, why are they talking about video games? This is just some stupid pastime. This is a very real part of economies. You know, it's not just people's lives. It seems like a really big part of what can make a country like China function is video games. So it's not just some small thing.
0: Yeah, no, not at all.
1: What I also found really interesting is ex-professional gamer Lillian Chen, also known as Milk Tea, wrote this viral blog post about what it's like being a female gamer. So if you're curious, what is it like being a professional female gamer who this is not just a pastime, this is how you make your money? She played Super Smash Brothers. Yeah, yeah. And so if you want to know what it's like, it's actually fascinating. So definitely check it out.
0: Yeah. And. One of the reasons video games have for so long been masculinized does relate back to our action figure episode. Um, In the 1980s, the video game industry in the U.S. had, like, way too many video and arcade games, and American video game producers were on the verge of bankruptcy. So their solution was to create more novel content that was reflective of the audience, which meant they needed to narrow down the audience and also increase visibility to that audience. So... They decided to move video games into the toy department, and since toy departments were gendered, they picked boy over girl. At the time, boys played more games than girls. Video games were then made with boys in mind, and therefore most of the playable characters were male, and therefore women who might have been into video games were turned away because they weren't made for them. And not only that, uh, female characters in video games were seen as totally optional, and when they were included, They were probably a hindrance, probably an annoying one, or a sex object, a prize to be won, all of the above. And if that's what you're seeing as a female player, yeah, you're probably going to check out. Video games are one of the most popular forms of entertainment for children, too. So we're teaching these messages at very young ages. (laughs) And it might go without saying, but women are more attracted to games with female protagonists, which are not so plentiful. For every five male characters, there is one female one, and that number gets even worse if you look at doer or action characters. And in over 75% of games with only one protagonist, that protagonist is male.
1: So this actually reminds me so much of my childhood because um, when we were growing up, we were obsessed with the Ninja Turtles. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I always had to be April, April O'Neil, because she was the girl. Right. And the mall, Chesterfield Town Center Mall in my town, when I was growing up, used to have this big arcade. And the best game they had was that stand-up Ninja Turtles game that you know where it was like four players could play at once and you were all sort of standing in a semicircle. Yeah. And it would be like my brother and my cousins all playing but since i was the girl there was no there was no kind of role for me if you know that game in the beginning splinter and april are kidnapped and so that's when the tur- that's why the turtles are fighting in the first place yeah. and so because in my sort of family when we would do ninja turtles games and play ninja turtles in the yard which we did all the time i was april i had no role in that in that game you know there wasn't even a role for me and I'll remember this, in the Mario franchise, you know how Super Mario Bros. 1, you're saving Princess Peach, but then Super Mario Bros. 2 is, like, really strange, and all this strange stuff is happening. It doesn't look anything like the other Super Mario games. Yeah. Not to trash my brother, but when we were kids, we were playing that game for the first time, and in that game, you can actually play as Princess Peach. hmm He was like, what is Princess Peach doing in gameplay? Like, she's supposed to be being saved. And I'll never forget that. I was a kid, but I was yeah. like... Why can't she play? Right. Like, she doesn't need to be saved all the time. That's right. Maybe she wants to play. Yeah. Do you, know, do you remember that game? It's a very strange game that involves you floating on a cloud, and yeah. there's a scene where like a chicken egg is being shot out of a yes. mouth, and it goes, bow. It's like a very weird game. Yeah. I feel like it's an acid trip. It doesn't make sense <laughs> in the franchise at all, mm-hmm. but you can play as Princess Peach, and that was very important to me.
0: Yeah. I had similar conversations with my brothers and, yeah, not to trash talk them either, but they were very—it's funny because, like, compared to the rest of the population, I am, like, a gamer. But they thought I was a fake gamer, so they would erase my video games because you could only have three save That's right.
1: Yes. Remember how if you, like, unplugged it, you lost them? (laughs) My a friend of mine kept a plugged in small TV in his room where it was like a sign that said "Do not touch." <laughs> Just trying to save a high score for so long. That's like <laughs> and he's going like, to be buried with this, it. Was, this was like ten years ago. This was well right. into when you could have been playing a console that yeah. allowed for turning off the system and not not having not saving a game. So
0: many of us were traumatized by losing games. Yeah,
1: tune into our spinoff podcast, Annie and Bridget talk. Sh- about their brothers. Yes.
0: <laughs> Just us fucking about our brothers. Yeah, yeah, if you didn't get that idea from the title. If we, if we go look at video game covers, male characters are four times as likely to be featured on the front. And um, first-person shooters, which I mentioned earlier, is a traditionally male-dominated video game genre. They have a much greater female playership, studies have shown, if a female protagonist is involved. So games where you can customize your character are generally pretty popular across gender divides, too. It is worth noting that a lot of people do like to play as the opposite sex. Uh, it's not like if you see a male avatar, very well it could be a woman. If you see a female avatar, very well it could be a man. But it's good to have those options. I know that in general I always play as a woman if it's an option. Um, ooh, you'll like this, Bridget. In 2014, the creative director of Ubisoft made headlines when he said Assassin's Creed didn't have a playable female character because, quote, it was really a lot of extra production work. <laughs> Which led to the viral hashtag, women are too hard to animate. Oh, my God. That's that's so
1: absurd, it's hilarious.
0: Yeah. I have one of my favorite video games, Final Fantasy VII, has this scene that even as a kid, I was like, this is weird. And one of the main characters, she has really big boobs. Really big. And there's a cut scene where she, like, gets knocked over, and just the, like, motion of the
1: <laughs> boobs. <laughs> I wish you top. could see what Annie's doing with her hands right now. Yeah. It's like, do her boobs have a ripple effect? Yeah. You're basically doing a hula dance right yeah, it was,
0: It was a sight to behold, and it stuck with me years later. So, you know, maybe maybe there are challenges animating boobs. Who knows?
1: I mean, not if you live in the world and observe how boobs
0: work. <laughs> yeah, Or really, you could just kind of leave them alone. Yeah. I don't know.
1: <laughs> They really don't need to do anything special in a video game, I don't think.
0: No. Unless
1: you're using them to shoot a gun or something.
0: Sure, right. Using
1: them for gameplay. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I'm sure those games exist. And this is changing. More female and LGBTQ characters are becoming more common in video games. In fact, listener Rose wrote to us recently about this, citing Horizon Zero Dawn, Overwatch, Dragon Age, Inquisition, and Ellie from The Last of Us, which I mentioned at the top. And that gameplay just came out recently for the second one. It looks amazing. So some improvement. But we still have a long way to go. And we're going to get into that after a quick break for a word from our sponsor. <laughs> And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. When, when real-life women started venturing into this male world, a lot of intense gamer dudes were not happy. They tried to keep women out with insults, harassment, and even threats. Like GamerGate, I'm sure... We're all familiar with Gamergate. Anita Sarkeesian was threatened with rape and death, sent pictures of game characters raping her, and a game called Beat Up Anita Sarkeesian was made um, because she kind of intruded in their world and started talking about feminism and sexist tropes. Again, she likes video games. You can critique things. And still like them. Yes. She wasn't like, I watched the videos and they're great, but yeah, she was just like, hey, let's look at Samus for a minute. Yeah, I once had a
1: really scary and eye-opening situation. This was many, many years ago when I had first gotten into the, into the mix writing and blogging. And I was doing a review of one of Sarkeesian's uh, pieces. And it was a completely by the book. I certainly did not editorialize in it because that was not my job. I was just like, oh, this is a piece that she has. Here's what she says, blah, blah, blah. Very by the book. Publish. The amount of vitriolic hate that I personally got Just because she happened to tweet this piece out because it was about her, I've never seen anything like it, and I don't think I'll ever see anything like it again. And bear in mind, in no way did she say people who game are sexist and awful. Like, she didn't say anything like that. It was just a pretty— mild breakdown of gaming you know the tropes in this game it was yeah. it, in, in no way was it anything that anyone should get upset about it wasn't it was basically a movie review if you wouldn't think that a movie review would be something to lose your cool over it certainly wasn't anything different from that and i just could not i could not believe the shocking level of response that she got yeah and then i got this from a mild association with her work
0: right Where i was like what the hell is going on yep well angry gamers uh, try to paint GamerGate as a response to, like, a lack of journalistic integrity. It's
1: about integrity and in gaming. Yes. It's about ethics and gaming journalism, <laughs> yes. Annie. That's why I'm saying we should rape this woman. I don't know. It's about ethics.
0: Yeah, I can't believe you missed that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so if we look at that, there's the story of Zoe Quinn, who was an indie gamer developer who had a positively reviewed game called Depression Quest. And an ex-lover of hers put transcripts of her life online, and here come the gamergators, alleging that Quinn's relationship with a journalist was behind her game's good reviews. And that was all the excuse Angry Dude Gamers needed to harass her to the point that she went into hiding. Into hiding. I just wanted to point out that gamers didn't go after the journalist, if, you, if you're wondering about that ethics in video game journalism. Oh, why do you—what what, what could be the difference? I don't know. I don't know what it could be. I did find a really interesting article written by Devin Ferracci called Why I Feel Bad For and Understand the Angry Gamer Gators. I have a really long quote that I probably shouldn't read the whole thing. But it was was interesting to read. It kind of goes back to what you were saying, Bridget, about how gamer is such an identity for some people. I guess when you feel like people are intruding into this thing that you've protected and cultivated, when you are someone who is an outsider who is downtrodden, you will fight back. (laughs) I, I guess we could post it. It is—it was really interesting to read, especially because I know—I don't know if I know someone who is, like, a Gamer Gator, but I know guys that are very, very protective of, like, their gaming worlds. So,
1: full disclosure, like, I casually sometimes play video games, but I would never call myself a gamer. But—so I'm a little out of the loop, admittedly. Are gamers, like, a downtrodden
0: group? Well, not anymore. Well— I don't know. I will say we kind of touched on this before where, like, nerds have inherited the earth, right? So I feel like in the 80s nerd certainly was depicted as very downtrodden and being getting picked on and bullied. I honestly can't speak to right now. I will know that most gamers I know that are men are not. Perhaps they were nerdier.
1: <laughs> yeah, I— Again, this is not this is Bridget's opinion, mm-hmm. anecdotal. I've always pushed back against that idea that gamers on a whole are this marginalized group. As you pointed out at the top of the show, a lot of people game. And so it's the majority of people are playing video games. They might not have this label of gamer, yeah. but it's not a, a niche hobby. In fact, quite a mainstream hobby, I would argue. And so I hear that people feel that they have lived a life full of hardship because they were nerdy or because they were skinny or because they were not popular or whatever, I understand that. That's how I felt growing up sometimes. But whether or not they are actually like a marginalized group or who actually is downtrodden, I'm always sort of
0: skeptical about that. Yeah. Maybe? Yeah, yeah, no, totally. Um, I don't know the word for it. Most, Most gamer gators are young. They're pretty young. So, uh, I don't know. It, the, we should post the article. It's interesting to read. There's one There's one bit I really liked where uh, it says, these guys get told lies that I think are really insidious. Like, it doesn't matter what's on your outside. It matters what's on your inside, which leads to an entire affinity of groups, uh, dress and smell like shit and don't take care of themselves. And this leads to a horrible cycle where socially awkward weirdos who dress like garbage get rejected by attractive women, which causes socially awkward weirdos to start blaming women in general for their problems and reinforce their social awkwardness. They do it because they have been raised in a world where women are not humans but prizes, and so they can't see them as individuals. They can't understand that there are women out there who also are socially awkward weirdos who might truly be into comic books, video games, Dungeons & Dragons.
1: Yes. Oh, my God. I have a lot to say. This reminds me so much of the episode that we did a while back, Emily and I, on men going their own way. Yeah. And if you don't know what that is, basically, it's this attitude that some men have today where they are basically retreating from society. They don't want to have a romantic partner. They don't want to be included in everyday society. The reason why that topic was something that was on my radar at all was this study that had come out that had just come out then about young men and video gaming and how the role it can function in a young man's life in this day and age and it's a lot of what you talked about where young men especially have been sold this kind of lie I guess is no other word for it that they will grow up, be successful, get a job, find a wife, blah, 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 like do the sort of white picket fence American dream thing. But look around you, that's no longer happening. And, you know, gone are the days when just by virtue of being born white and male, you can be promised things like a spouse, things like a job, uh, a successful life. And video games, it seems, are kind of functioning as a, a way to be like, oh, the life that I was sort of promised is not a reality for me. I'll just retreat into video games and f*** you, society. In that episode, we took a lot of heat for almost humanizing young men who feel that way too much. Yeah. But I do think it's like an interesting position to be in because from that excerpt that you just read, it just sounds like we are not setting these young men up for successful, healthy lives. And that's what it really comes down to. And so part of me does feel sympathetic. Not so sympathetic that they're out there sending rape threats and like making Zoe Quinn's life horrible. Sure. But part of me can understand if you grew up hearing that that it's what's inside that counts and that just by virtue of being born white and male you will have xyz good things and then come to find out that actually you do need to have a, a decent personality you actually do need to take care of yourself you actually do need to have basic hygiene and like a basic understanding of how to present in the world if you want to have good things in your life you actually do have to work for them you know it's not going to get handed to you you don't you don't earn it just by virtue of being you it's not a prize that you can just get by showing up because we are feeling these young men's heads with those lives. And because video games function, a lot of them function in a way where that's the case. You know, like yeah. oh, We'll post it in the show notes. This article talks about how so many games, the reward system rewards tasks in such a way that it can almost mimic work. And so if you are someone who is underemployed or unemployed, gaming is designed to stimulate something in your brain that maybe makes you feel like you are working when you're not, you right. know what I mean? And so yeah. you're not going to feel like you need to go out and join society, join the workforce to get those brain warm fuzzies if gaming provides it in a kind of way. I know I sound like someone who, I mean, <laughs> this people who are gaming are like, yeah, no, shit, Bridget. But when I found this out, I thought, oh, of course. Yeah. And the reason why I found this out is because I I had someone in my life who was underemployed and was like, yeah, video games are really getting me through. And at first I thought, Jesus, that's sad as fuck. But then when I really unpacked it, I thought, oh, my God, it makes sense. And this is what's happening to a generation of young men. And it explains so much about how young men see themselves in the world. You know, if they're heterosexual, how they're functioning with women, why they might want to check out of society if they feel like they've been sold a lie.
0: Yeah. And I mean, it's not just video games either. Those 80s movies, this has been the story we've been telling for a long time that eventually it's just going to work out in the end. And You're going to get the girl, and I'm glad we're moving away from that and telling different stories. So many women, so many women have spoken up about harassment in gaming. There's Ginny Honover. She runs Not in the Kitchen Anymore, a website dedicated to her experience as a female gamer, particularly online. She records and transcribes audio files of her interactions and posts them, and let me tell you, it gets really grim fast. I think she's stepped away from it. So it's more of an archive now, but if you're looking for reasons to get angry, it's there. Uh, Julia Hardy, who was a gaming journalist, has a similar website called Misogyny Monday, where she posts abusive comments she's received and her pretty hilarious comebacks. After someone tweeted at her to go back to the kitchen and make me a sandwich, she responded with, What is it that you most fear about women? Our keen agility or the fact our periods attract bears. (laughs) (laughs) Well, everyone knows that's true. I know. That's just science. Another website documenting abuse female gamers receive online is fat, ugly, or slutty. It hasn't been updated in a while, but this is another good one if you want to be mad. Um, I really like the categories on the side because it kind of sorts the comments, and the categories are like sandwich-making 101 or crudely creative. I mean, if you got to put a silver lining on it, <laughs> it's pretty good.
1: Yeah. Honestly, what this displays is that a lot of these digs are just not very creative.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wonder if I still have any. I should go look. A lot of them don't make much sense.
1: Yeah. So it's annoying to get abuse online. I try to stay off social media these days, but... When I do log back in, I'm like, oh yeah, this is why I left. What I hate the most is when I'm thinking, that's not even a good joke. That's not even a good comeback. If you're going to insult somebody, that doesn't even make sense. At least make it good. The gender-based insult that I would hear a lot of is, take your tampon out. And I was like, having a tampon in doesn't have an effect on your mood. Like, What are you trying to say? If you've got an argument to make about me being on my period, make it succinctly. Just wearing a tampon does not have any impact on how I'm behaving. That doesn't even make sense. At least put some thought into it. It's just insulting to both. It's insulting to. It should be insulting to the person who is tweeting that. Like you're better than that. If so you're gonna <laughs> insult somebody, put a little full thought into it.
0: <laughs> that should be your response. You're yes. better than that. <laughs> you're better than this. <laughs> you could do better. I used to collect my um, any kind of insults I received online, and I want to make a modern art poster of them. But uh, my favorite one I ever got was um, I know the producer of this, and she's a slut because it's interesting to call out the producer. The other one was um, her mouth looks like it's made of crabs. Ah,
1: what? <laughs> Wait, interesting. The venereal disease or the animal? I don't know. Again, I didn't follow up. Again. I didn't follow up. If you're going to insult somebody, those are important questions to ask. Yes.
0: The Toys and Culture editor at IGN Entertainment, Alana Pierce, she has an interesting way of dealing with perhaps some of these insults. Quote, fairly randomly, I get sent rape threats. Someone sent me a Facebook message saying they would rape me if they ever saw me in person. I checked his Facebook account, and it was a young boy, so I managed to find his mom incredibly easily, and she made him handwrite me a letter of apology, so I doubt he will ever do it again.
1: Good on that mom. Yeah. I love that. I mean, part of me wants to say, oh, it shouldn't be up to this person's mom to to do this. But if you if you're an adult, if you're young, good on this mom for taking some initiative and saying, No, you're not gonna treat somebody like that. You're gonna write an apology letter. Also, making someone write a handwritten apology letter is is that, like, she's momming real hard. Yeah. She's momming hard.
0: Mm-hmm. Jikaza Duma, who has a pretty sizable YouTube gaming channel, advises blocking or muting rude comments, so that's one way.
1: Yeah, something that I have found is that if you're on Twitter especially, mute over block if you can, because blocking can sometimes be like a badge of honor. Honestly, we should do an episode on how to deal with online harassment in general, but I have found that if I block someone, someone else will tell me, oh, they then tweeted a picture of the screen of you blocking them, and it sort of reverberates. And so if you mute someone, they don't know that you've muted, but you don't get a notification that they're mentioning you. So it's just them farting in the wind, basically. They can keep on talking, you won't see it, and they don't get that badge of honor that, oh, I ruffled her feathers so much that she blocked me. Can you believe this, you know? Right. Um, So just a little tip that I've learned.
0: Bridget's words of wisdom. (laughs) (laughs) Brianna Wu, a game developer, hired an employee to deal with the constant internet trolling she gets. That's how much she gets. After Wu posted a meme about Gamer gators on Twitter, they went after her company's financial aspects, impersonated her on Twitter, and launched a campaign to destroy her career by sending emails to journalists from burner accounts. One of the scariest messages she received was from someone claiming to know where she and her husband lived, and the message described in horrific graphic detail how he was going to kill them that night. Boo wrote in an article, They've taken down women I care about one by one. Now the vicious mob of Gamergate movement is coming after me. They've threatened to rape me. They've threatened to make me choke to death on my husband's severed genitals. They've threatened to murder any children I might have. In a 2018 interview with NPR, she said that as far as she can tell, the video game industry has not had its Me Too moment and that it really needs to. Quote, look at the hiring, look at the culture, look at who makes up the food chain, because we've really created a culture of silence in my field that is very similar to why Harvey Weinstein was able to go for so long unchecked.
1: Ugh, I can completely believe that that is the case. And I think it probably is one of those things. I mean, it took so long for me, too, to trickle down to industries like animation. And I think it's because they are heavily male-dominated, and because it's like a nerd culture kind of thing, it is seen as... If you speak up about abuse, about terrible treatment, about that kind of thing, you're not a cool you're not a cool nerd anymore. You know, we we had this freewheeling thing of anything goes, and a lot of really toxic stuff can fester in cultures like
0: that. Yeah, absolutely. In a 2014 Washington Post article, Wu did give some specific recommendations targeting Gamergate mostly, but so major gaming institutions need to come out against Gamergate and harassment in general. Hiring in the industry needs to be looked at and examined at all levels. And game journalism needs more women, too. And a side note, she's running for Congress in Boston, or she was as of recording this episode. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, another woman who has spoken up about this is Lena Van DeVenter, who, along with Dan Golding, co-authored a book called Game Changers from Minecraft to Misogyny, The Fight for the Future of Video Games. And here's just one of her encounters with sexual harassment in online gaming. I could hear him masturbating on the voice chat while playing. He would ask breathy, labored questions. Other teammates found it hilarious. I wished I could focus on my objective in the game, but I knew I had to leave this server. My mouse was hovering over the exit button when I heard him climax, moaning my username into his microphone. Oh, God. I mean, who thinks you can play a game in those, like, conditions? But that's what you were saying before.
1: It's... Ugh. What pisses me off about this, there's so much wrong with it, (laughs) but... It's this idea that women who game have this unfair extra burden. Like, male gamers are not dealing with someone m- moaning their, their username into the god microphone that they're trying to play. And so as bad as that is, these male gamers still think that women somehow are not real gamers. Basically, it's like that old quote, you know, that um, Ginger Rogers quote that I do everything that Fred Astaire does, I do it backward and in heels. I guess what pisses me off the most is that men then still say act like women, aren't real gamers, aren't good enough, blah, 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 when in fact they are having to do the same challenges in these games that men are doing, but doing it while somebody is breathing their god name into a microphone while they masturbate. Could they do that? No, they couldn't. That's distracting and awful, and we shouldn't have to put up with it, but we are. And I guess it pisses me off that despite the fact that women are gaming, playing the same games, as men and doing so with such an unfair burden that they're still seen as not real gamers when in fact they're putting up with
0: more than the men are. Yeah, and just like I remember back when I still online gamed and I would just be filled with trepidation every time I like ventured in. It was supposed to be a fun thing, but instead I had like this nervousness about doing it because you didn't know who you were going to encounter in there. And that really sucks. It shouldn't be that way. There is a whole movie about sexual harassment in gaming too called GTFO which creator Shannon's son Higginson was inspired to make after she saw a Capcom-sponsored game stream where the female gamer was harassed for 13 minutes, and she did not return for the final round. And the guy doing the harassing in that video was quoted saying, the sexual harassment is part of the culture, and if you remove that from the fighting game community, it's not the fighting game community. What the f**k? Oh, it's awful. I watched it. But it's gross. It was weird and gross, and it just kept going on and on. And they were on the same team too. Wait, this was her teammate. Yes, <laughs> that—that's absurd. Okay, so when people say,
1: "How dare you critique video games?" I would posit that guys like this who say, "Oh, if you don't like this, then this is what the community is, and if a big homework of the community," I would argue that that guy doesn't like gaming, isn't a real gamer. I would argue the people who are saying, "Hey, that's not okay. Don't do this. Be better than this kind of sleazy." who does it to their own teammate. I would say that the people who are calling that out, they are the ones who are true gamers who actually care about the industry. People who are saying, this is just how it is. It's sleazy and it's bad, and that's how it is. I would argue that that guy doesn't give a about gaming and is not a real gamer. Yeah. I mean, if you were in any other industry and you tolerated and accepted that kind of bad behavior, you wouldn't be like, oh, that's a titan of the industry who really cares about the craft. If you were a surgeon and you just said... I smoke cigars while I do surgery. That's just the way it is. Yeah. If you don't like it, that you means that you don't. Away. Yeah. If you don't like it, that means you don't. You don't really love surgery. <laughs> you would say well, that guy doesn't care about surgery. Right. He doesn't care about the craft. How did we elevate the people who vocally don't give a shit about whether or not gaming is a good community? How did we elevate them to be the spokespeople of the community that they're the real gamers? How did we allow that?
0: That is a great question. I. Uh, I also wanted to mention he, this guy, uh, he pointed to his First Amendment rights when people oh, were give like— give me a break. Of course he did. <laughs> but journalist Ali Fogg uh, had this counterpoint. What you fail to understand is that the use of hate speech, threats, and bullying to terrify and intimidate people into silence or away from certain topics is a far bigger threat to free speech than any legal sanction. Imagine this is not the Internet but a public square. One woman stands on a soapbox and expresses an idea. She is instantly surrounded by an army of 5,000 angry people yelling the worst kind of abuse at her in an attempt to shut her up. Yes, there's a free speech issue here, but it's not the one you think.
1: I love that. Yeah. I also think that people— misunderstand free speech. If there was one argument I wish that people would be a bit more thoughtful about when they hurl, it would be free speech.
0: Yeah. A study reported on by Wire in 2015 called Insights into Sexism, Male Status and Performance Moderates Female-Directed Hostile and Amicable Behavior, that's quite a title, found that harassment towards women from men goes up when men are losing. And I can attest to that. Oh, I'm sure you can. (laughs) I won this tournament once, and the experience was so terrible, I have not competed since. I felt like I lost. Oh, man. (laughs) I felt like I have lost in
1: so many ways. But that's that's my point. I mean, this this is going to sound dumb, but there's probably a woman out there, a woman or a girl out there, who was gaming— Who had an experience like the one that you just described, where it was so bad you thought never again? Mm -hmm. That person could have been a professional gamer. You don't know. Yeah. All the think of all of the talent, the promising talent that we could be losing out on because we are allowing them to be bullied and harassed out of gaming.
0: Yeah, and I mean, even this, like, as dumb as it it was, there was prize money involved. There was like five hundred dollar prize. So we need women should be able to get and compete for that money too. Oh, man. Here's another quote from the study. Female-initiated disruption of a male hierarchy incites hostile behavior from poor-performing males who stand to lose the most status. These results suggest that it is lower-skilled, poor-performing males that are significantly more hostile towards females and higher-skilled focal players are more supportive. So women threaten the hierarchy and... Dudes don't like it. And if they don't threaten it, then the men are like, okay, you're allowed to stay in here. <laughs> wow. I also love poor performing males. <laughs> just as a, just as a study a, phrase. yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, the researchers did note that this dynamic changes based on game. So, again, please, we're painting with broad brushes, but there are differences. There are certainly pockets that are not like this. And a lot of accounts from female gamers lamented that as a woman, you were expected to be twice as good. And if you won, it was seen as due to someone else's failure or success. But if you lost... That was because you're a silly woman and didn't know what you were doing. Of course you are. Yep. What else? So what other reason could it be? Yeah, when I won that tournament, it was definitely like, "Oh, my controller! She cheated! She! I don't know. Something's wrong here. This couldn't happen. <laughs> this cannot be. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Something happened. Yeah, like some wild explanation. Yeah. It, could, it couldn't just be that you were better than them. You were that good. It has to have been. Oh, my house got struck by lightning and the server blinked and blah blah blah. You know.
0: Yeah. Well, this was an interesting case because we were all playing in the same room. But somebody said he could hear a fire alarm and it was distracting him. And I'm like, we're all here. Does
1: anyone (laughs) else hear a fire alarm? We're all here. (laughs) Sounds like another piece of reasoning from a poor
0: performing male. (laughs) Ooh, burn. Pass burn wherever you are not listening to this. I hope he is listening. Oh, God. Maybe, maybe he's changed. He was kind of a decent fellow outside of that. So moderately performing male, moderately performing male. We can only hope, Bridget. <laughs> so we have a little bit more to talk about., but we're going to pause for one more quick break for a word from our sponsor And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. So LifeWire has an article called Xbox Live Survival Guide for Female Gamers. And it starts out with this tip. First off, guys, when there is a gal in the room, just leave her alone. You don't need to harass her and ask her what she looks like and to send her weird pictures. (laughs) You can and will be banned from Xbox Live if you harass people too much. So just knock it off. Just because you can hide behind the veil of anonymity doesn't mean you have the right to ruin the game for other people. But then it continues, since most guys probably won't bother to pay attention to that paragraph, you ladies are going to have to take charge of how you are treated online. And the article continues with tips like play with friends, use the player review feature, and not calling attention to yourself, things we shouldn't have to do. This reminds me of the running thing again, like a different set of rules. It's just something, it's ridiculous that there's even a playbook for this, like how to play as a woman versus how to play as a man. But there is, Xbox Live's actual code of conduct does not mention sexism, but players are told not to harass any players. As always, more accurate gender portrayals, i.e. not sex objects made for the male gaze, which it is totally cool to have a sexy lady, but she needs to be a character and not an object. And more women in the industry is a good place to start if we want to change this culture, and I think we do.
1: I think we do. I think we
0: do. (laughs) Um, Calling out harassers in the gaming community, both by creators and players, is another step.
1: So basically having a bit of a Me Too effect in gaming. Yes. I have this theory that there are certain industries that so far Me Too has been slow or not happened, but once they do, it's going to be a domino where turns out it just creeps and turtles the whole way down. Like, who knew? Right. I feel like video games, once there's a you know, a real high-profile professional in the industry, I think it's going to be a real
0: yeah. situation. I do, too. I do think the sex objects thing, sex objects do not warrant respect. And if this is a media shaping the perception of players, as particularly young players, and all they see are representations of women as sex objects, in their eyes, women don't deserve respect. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Think about the messages that you're passing down a younger generation with when that's the case. Yeah. Something I found real interesting was this idea that you could propose a tech solution to this issue and that really revolves around creating a a social stigma in these games around harassment. So one solution revolves auto-muting and so if someone is muted 10% more than average in a game that person is automatically muted and so if you wanted to you could unmute them but hopefully that would really drive home the point that hey nobody wants to hear your harassment nobody wants your sex and really sort of doing what I think is the more kind of difficult, challenging cultural work of creating an environment where there is stigma and shame attached to being a harasser. I think that steps like those are difficult because it's difficult to shape culture. It's difficult to shift culture. But I think that where we can normalize the attitude that this isn't cool— And that you're not going to be seen as this, like, bad boy, edgy rebel. If you do this, you're going to be seen as a loser and nobody's going to want to hang out with you on the game. Yeah. I think that that's really, really important.
0: Yeah, and I think um, video game researcher at University of Melbourne, Robbie Fordyce, would agree with you. Because when he was talking about online harassment in an interview I was reading, he said that it is indicative of something much bigger Quote, in terms of solving the problem, I don't know that games can do it. I wish it was possible, but gaming is simply a hyper-intensified expression of a more general problem with toxic masculinity. So it is a big culture shift in conversation that we're going to have to continue to have, and we're going to have to keep pushing for a better, better world in gaming, but in general as well because it is sort of all tied together. And I wanted to leave on this uplifting Call to Action, written over at Bustle by Suzanne Salmon. Video games are for everyone. They're for me. They're for you. They're for our little sisters and our daughters to create, to play, and to critique. We cannot allow cruel, sadistic people to take our joy away from us. We need to stand up to Gamergate and keep being ourselves. But it starts with you and me. It starts with us refusing to shut up.
1: There we go. Yeah. And I want to end on an angry note, which is, (laughs) hey, poor performing males, stop it. Just stop. Nobody wants to hear it. Nobody wants to see your dick. Stop it. Just stop.
0: <laughs> I love everyone. Love everyone. I love that I feel like we've given you a new phrase, a catchphrase. Oh,
1: I'm already planning how I'm going to use poor-performing males <laughs> in, in my daily life. Like, oh, looks like another poor-performing male. Actually, that should be a thing for the show. Like, Hashtag poor performing male. <laughs> the, the author of this study is going to think, what, what did I create with this? <laughs> what have but I done? If you see someone harassing someone on Twitter, you can just say, looks like another hashtag poor performing male. <laughs> I really want to start this. I'm going to,
0: yeah. Um, and I
1: love that it's, so, of course, it's like very on brand for us that it's inspired by a god <laughs> academic study.
0: <laughs> Perfect. Perfectly lines up with, with everything we believe in over here. I'm going to try to find that guy that I...
1: Oh, the poor performing male? Yeah. You should. Send him this episode. That'd be a good diss. Ooh. Send him an email that just says, thought you'd like this, Ooh. and then the link to the episode with no other context. Oh, man. Oh, that's oh, good. That is good. That's a, that's a, that's a nice, like, I I'm, I hold grudges. That's mm-hmm. a nice, like, long con yeah. where it's like, oh, you thought I forgot about this. Well, I didn't. Oh, I didn't. <laughs> but it's I on a national podcast, motherfucker.
0: Note to self, do not piss Bridget off. (laughs) Stay on our good side, everyone. You know you're not wrong. (laughs) Okay, so that brings us to the end of our our video game episode. Something tells me we will be returning to address other aspects of this because there's a lot to talk about. But in the meantime, we're going to read some listener mail. Sarah wrote, I wanted to recommend some books that may or may not count as published fanfic. The first is The Bloody Chamber by Angela Carter. It is a feminist reimagining of classic fairy tales that brings the latent sexual and violent undertones out, but it never feels gratuitous. The other is my absolute favorite book, The Penelopiad by Margaret Atwood. This is centered around Penelope, Odysseus' wife, from the Odyssey, and it's her side of the story. Another really great one is Grendel by John Gardner. And finally, the last one is *Helen of Troy by Margaret George. This is the Trojan War from the point of view from the woman who quote, started it, you know, because it had nothing to do with Agamemnon being an aggro asshole or the idea that Menelaus was entitled to hell and like, dude, I get it, your wife left you, that sucks, get the hell over it. Anyway, apologize for the rant, I have so many feelings about toxic masculinity and misogyny and Greek myths. I hope y'all check out these books and thanks so much for the great show. Well, thank you, I love book recommendations. Me too. So, very excited to check those out.
1: Next letter, Sophia wrote... Firstly, I want to say thank you for creating my favorite podcast. And I especially want to thank you for defining a concept that has really helped me see myself and other people in a more forgiving light, the problematic fave. I tend to hold myself in very high regard, and I let my insecurities project onto people, being overly critical of them as a way to make me feel better about myself. That sounds very familiar to me because I do the same thing. The notion of a problematic fave has helped me realize that nobody's perfect, least of all myself. In a way, I'm my own problematic fave. I've caught myself saying incredibly classist and ableist things with no malicious intent, but I'm glad to have exceptionally woke friends that have called me in on it, and I am constantly trying to be more aware. Thanks to the problematic fave, I also see how the people around me are problematic and imperfect, but knowing this is okay and that they are still a good person has been a great eye-opener to a person like me who likes to see the world in black and white. Having a term for the problematic fave really hits the nail on the head, in my opinion, and is a daily reminder of all of our imperfection and humanity. Sophia, I love this. I can completely relate to it. Um, I have to say, we did not coin the phrase "problematic fave." I wish I did, but it's something that I really found eye-opening, and so I'm glad that you found it eye-opening as well. And I always say, I'm my own problematic fave. I am your girl is problematic. You know, we all say things and do things that we wish we hadn't. And it's so much easier to look at the problematic behavior of others. And at least for myself, I find myself doing that as a way to not think about or deal with or parse my own problematic shit. And so it is a useful concept. I'm glad that you found it useful as well.
0: Yeah. I mean, pretty much everything we talk about, like this episode, video game is problematic fave, you know? It's, again, you can still like something. You can still like something and try to work to improve it. I would say that means you'll like it even more. So... Thanks to both of them for emailing us. You too can email us at momstuff at howstuffworks.com. Where else can
1: they find us? On social media. Oh, they can Bridget. find us on the social media. We are on Instagram at Stuff Mom Never Told You and on Twitter at momstuffpodcast. Podcast. But if it's harassment, Don't. just save it because we're going to mute you and you'll yes. never even know. It'll be, it'll be a fart into the wind.
0: Yes. And thanks as always to our producer, Kathleen Quillian. Woo.
1: We're waving to her in the studio.
0: Yeah. <laughs>